Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thank you for listening. SMU is coming off a 41-19 loss on the road at UCF this past Wednesday. Tough one for the Mustangs going down there to South Florida, not being able to get the dub. Quite honestly, I think the best half of football they played was in that first half against UCF. They just didn't end up getting enough to show for it. Leading 13-10 at the half, and then the wheels fell off in the second half, losing that one 41-19. The final score being a Preston Stone touchdown run on the final play of the game. And look, I, I think we're going to break this all down, and I really do want to go position by position for you guys and, and, and took some time, really watched a lot of the film back as best I could and wrote down a lot of notes on this game because I think it's worth talking about that this is, first of all, the, the toughest three-game stretch SMU's faced, in my opinion, over the last few years. And coming out of non-conference play, going right into league play, one, SMU is battle-tested for this game. I mean, that is a positive. That is something that you don't sit there and say, okay, well, they played cupcakes, had a TCU game in, let's say, week three versus week four, had another cupcake, and then played USF. No, they went right into facing who I think is the favorite to win this league right now. I mean, you look at Cincinnati, very good team. Houston has its issues, just lost to Tulane. But you look at what UCF has, that is a talented football team that is physical, that runs the ball, obviously very good in the red zone defensively, and and just were able to shut SMU down in that second half and give them no hope. I think that's your favorite right now to win the AAC. So coming off of these last three games, you have an SMU team that's faced three really good teams, and and they have not taken advantage of opportunities to win these games. UCF is the game that I picked out of those three in my preseason predictions for SMU to lose. A couple turnovers away in each game against Maryland TCU from beating those teams, and you look at a team that sits at two and three. And I want to be very clear. I do not think the wheels are coming off the wagon on this team. I think there are things that they have got to do a lot better. We'll talk about those. And a lot of it comes down to, I think, focus on the fundamentals. I mean, we saw so many drops. We saw some missed tackles, some loose contains. Um, And then there are some things that I think they've got to find a way to scheme up in the run game to improve. Um, They have got to find ways to get the defense a little bit better in terms of keeping contain in terms of being able to make plays when they're in front of them because I just think right now this team is too talented to miss out on the opportunities that they have had in front of them and and it's growing pains and it's growing pains for a team that saw a lot of turnover and it's growing pains for a fan base watching it as you have two first you know new schemes coming in both on offense and defense and sitting here after a loss to TCU especially saying, okay, well now SMU's two and three after this UCF loss, what the heck's going on? You know, we're used to being five and oh going into the second week of AAC play. 
Well, guess what? SMU did not draw the cupcake schedule this 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 year. And I think we saw that. We saw them play three really good teams the last three weeks. UCF, there was some talk on the board. And I, I mean, you got to kind of at least look at it and say, okay, maybe that is the case that UCF hadn't necessarily been tested. Georgia Tech fired their coach. Louisville might be, not be as good as people thought. But guess what? They have the players. They have the physicality. And they brought it, especially in the second half uh, on Wednesday night. And I, I think UCF might be when we look back on this season, the best team SMU faced, uh, especially in this three-game stretch. How did SMU get here losing to UCF? I think you've you've got to rewind the tape, obviously, and you look at that first drive. SMU is on the move. Rasheed Rice fumbles. You look at uh, later in the first half, Rasheed Rice undercuts a, a, a route, basically came back inside on it, uh, and, and, Great throw, Tanner Mordecai, who I thought played really, really well. He drops it. I think that's a touchdown. Rhett Lashley thought so as well uh, in the postgame press conference with just how much green grass there was for Rasheed Rice to run if he's able to make that play. Bo Corrales had a couple that he couldn't reel in. Um, SMU had had a few drops overall that were just inexcusable. Uh, SMU has has to make some of these plays, especially on the road. And SMU overall, over the last few years, hasn't been a great road team by any means. They've, they've been able to string together some wins, but you look at the way SMU's held serve at home for the most part. Um, obviously, the TCU game, that, that, that was you know a tough loss. Um, but overall, SMU's road woes are out there. They've got to find a way to make plays, get confidence on the road, because they have had opportunities to win games, to make plays on the road, and haven't done it. And it continued against UCF, continued against Maryland. That's something that these players really have to just lock in a little bit more. When you're on the road, you're facing a team that's playing with emotion, especially after the week Orlando had. These guys came out, you know, played really, really hard for their city, for their school. Let's let's kind of go by position and, and and kind of break down where some of the issues are. I think most people have been able to watch the game. Some of people some people have been able to watch it twice. And I want to start with 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 coaching just to kind of overarching thoughts on it before we kind of jump in position by position. I think when you look at SMU right now offensively, outside of the red zone, so everything you know outside of the 20 going in, SMU has been unbelievable for much of the year. They only have themselves to blame when things haven't gone well. Whether it be a drop, whether it be a turnover, SMU's been excellent. And I think the play calling has been too. And most people can look at it and probably say the same too. Now, you get into the red zone and that's where, you know, I I think it's worth talking about, you know, how does SMU generate more touchdowns in the red zone? And I think against UCF, look, we all knew going in, it was going to be tough sledding against that red zone defense. I mean, I, I don't think... That's a surprise. You just, I think you wanted different looks at what SMU could have done to generate scores, to generate touchdowns, especially. That's just where they didn't necessarily have it uh, in them from an ex- execution standpoint, and it ended up costing them. So I think that has to be looked at. I, I don't agree with some of the fourth down calls um, as well. I, I know in the second half they were third and 
pretty manageable. Two deep uh, shots to the end zone. One, I, I think, a drop by Mucci. Another one, you 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 think maybe you get a pass interference. But you know, I think sometimes when it's a, a situation where it was a deep shot to the end zone on the road, you've already gotten a couple. Maybe that's one where you, you're kicking a field goal and you're down eight uh, instead. That could be an option. Or you've ran it on third and three. Maybe you pick it up. Maybe you're stopped short. Maybe you're looking at then a fourth and one. Um, and it might have been a fourth and one, but I swear it was a third and three and, and fourth and three. Um, and then maybe you're looking at, you know, having some different options on the table there. But I, I like the aggressiveness overall. I think there are some situations where play calling could have been just a little bit better. I mean, that's hindsight, though. I, I, I think for the most part, anything outside of the 20s right now for SMU is rolling. It's working. Um, I like the aggressive move going for it on your own 35 or so. Uh, the play call, look, Nolan Matthews, he's he's getting back into it. He's not the receiving threat necessarily. He did have a nice catch late, late in the game. Uh, but he's not the receiving threat R.J. Maryland was when he caught that first down uh, earlier in the game on a fourth down play. Rasheed Rice caught, a, uh, I believe, like kind of a comeback you know, curl uh, on a fourth down to pick it up. I don't. I, I just I think you get maybe somebody else in there to run that, or maybe he ran it short. Maybe he screwed it up. Anyway, I, I think there are just certain situations where SMU hasn't had you know a play that that's necessarily maybe right. I mean, you can debate play calling all day, but I, I think when you look at play calling as a whole, as a fan, when you go back and and look at the stats, you look at what they've been putting up it's hard to find a lot of fault with play calling outside the 20s. I mean, it really is. They're rolling offensively right now, and especially we're in the first half against UCF. I think they made some adjustments in the second half. SMU started to play catch-up, and, and and that was kind of where it all kind of fell apart. They've got to find a way to produce touchdowns a little bit better in the red zone, and I think that kind of goes back to the run game. I think they've got to try and get a little bit more outside with it. Um, you know, maybe that that jet flip, uh, that jet sweep type of plays, you know, get involved a little bit more. Because I think if you can find guys to do that, you know, and it's hard when Jake Bailey gets hurt. It's hard when Jordan Curley gets hurt. But you also, you know, we saw Kamar Wheaton get outside a little bit. I'm not saying Kamar Wheaton needs to necessarily play more but some of those play calls might have a chance with some of the other quicker guys that they have on the roster um, you know Roderick Daniels quits and Jake Bailey gets hurt he's a guy that could have been in there on that jet flip and that hurts so right now I, I think SMU needs to assess some red zone play calling maybe find a little bit different avenues in the run game to make the defense respect it sideline to sideline because I think other teams are exploiting that on SMU's defense I think there was a chance and opportunity to do that against UCF a little bit I know they're fast I know they're talented I just think that gives you just a little bit more space maybe inside the tackles Belton Gardner had that terrific touchdown run in the early going parts of the game SMU was able to do that I think because they were just rolling offensively in the past game uh, had a little bit of success on the ground and did some things to you know get into the flats um, I believe one of the 
first couple plays was it was a flat route to Rasheed. So you've got to kind of respect some of that sideline to sideline stuff. I think that helped open up the run game a little bit more if they were a little bit more, um, uh, let's just say horizontal with it, with some of the speed that they have. Defensively, I thought Scott Simons called a really good game. I, I do. I, I think there were certain moments where they lost contain. They had Plumley dead to rights. They let a couple sacks get away from them, um, and it kind of came down to contain. I know guys are playing aggressive just with a guy like that, and I think Plumley is probably one of the best athletes playing quarterback at a high level in college football right now. I think his short area quickness and, and agility is that of a Kyler Murray type. Um, not saying he's the passer, even though he looked at times like that against SMU, but he really, in a short area, is tough to obviously get on the ground. But some of those times when he got out, and instead of it being a third and long, or, and I'm talking like third and plus 10, it ended up being a third and five, or third and three, or fourth and three, and they were able to do some things and, and pick up first down. So um, that's just part of it. You've got to capitalize on, it, on interception opportunities. Armani Johnson had one that would have been a big play in the game. Dropped. They pick it up. Um, I'm not sure what the result of the drive was. They might have stalled out and ended up kicking a field goal. Um, but you've got to make some of these plays. I, I think with the defense, they didn't. They weren't able to get uh, Isaac Slade Matutia to go. Uh, sounds like he had an injury. Didn't see much of Brandon Crosley. I, I don't know what the update is on him right now. So they were clearly playing with kind of a deck stacked against them a little bit at some spots. But I will say, you know, I liked what they did. I saw Kiki Burns out there. He made a he made a play. Um, I think he was a part of blowing up that trick play. Um, they got Jaquandus Burns in there, Shannon Reed, Cameron Farrar. Um, saw some different guys rotate in there with Jimmy Phillips. It was just kind of the consistency, right? You know, a lot of these guys haven't played as much. And we saw that they got taken for a ride at times because of it. I liked the versatility of some of the third down packages Scott Simons used. Again, I just think contain. They lost contain against Ryan O'Keefe on his jet flip that he took, you know, for a big game. Um, it was just one of those things where I think they're they're making a lot of the right calls. They're making a lot of the right plays. They're letting some of their opportunities escape themselves. And at the same time, there always needs to be some sort of adjustments here or there for that. And I think the, the coaching staff has to get those across better. No, no matter what the situation is, there were just too many opportunities for UCF to put themselves in better situations, which, which ended up extending drives in the long run. So that's probably the commentary I've got on, on coaching. Um, you know, moving on, I'll start with the secondary. I think it was a disappointing night for them. You know, they, they've had a lot of uh, positives to go off of this season. Uh, they really have. They've been much improved um, in terms of how they've defended the pass. Um, you know, passing yards per attempt are way down. Uh, and, and this game, you know, Plumlee was able to make some plays uh, to his receivers, and they're a good group. Uh, that really hurt SMU, and they defended Plumlee so well in the run. Uh, I think he only had 32 yards rushing or 27. And then he was able to make some plays in the pass game 
that opened up some of the run a little bit more in the second half. And that's where, again, things kind of got off the rails. Um, you know, I thought the first half, SMU just played really solid football overall. They just missed opportunities. And, and that's the thing where looking at this game, you've got to kind of sit back and remember that they were in position a lot of the times and, and they've just got to make plays. And I mean, it sounds repetitive. It sounds crazy, but you know, Plumley throws a fastball uh, go route on the sideline. You know, usually those are ones you want to arc in there and, and make it look pretty and drop it in for an end for a touchdown. If Sam Westfall turns his head as he's approaching the eight yard line, and turns his head quicker, make the play. You know, it's been a coaching point. It's been something they've done a lot better this year, but you've still got to, you've got to apply it and do it. And, and it, he was just too late there and they make the play and then they end up scoring on the Bowser touchdown run. Um, I think that was the one before the half that, that got it to 10, 10. So, you know, secondary just, it was, it was not a good night, not as good of a night as it's been. Um, they let up some big plays. Um, they didn't make enough plays. Uh, the defense has to get back to being opportunistic. I said that in a preview, um, and it's got to be a mindset. The guys got to really push it. Um, and once they do that, you know, I think that will that will help their confidence. I think linebacker is starting to be a little bit of a question. You know, they're just not necessarily making as many plays as the run game. They're they're starting to get gashed a little bit up the middle. Um, this was the first game that SMU I think has had Elijah Chapman, Stephon Wright, Mike Johan. Um, Sanjo and Jiki, and then you've got Devere Levelston, Junior Ajo, and all those guys. I think it was the first game they really had their full complement. We saw some Jalen Samuels. We saw um, Isaiah Smith. They've got to – that. we saw Gary Wiley. That rotation has to stay in there. Stephon Wright got nicked up. That is when SMU's at its best, when they've got that full complement of defensive linemen. It helps the linebackers because they're fresh. They're able to, to plug – plug gaps, they're able to shed blockers, they're able to play at a higher level. Um, and I think that was a key was was at least in the first half, they had that, um, again, saw Stefan Wright go down. Um, and, and, you know, I think that made a difference in terms of the, terms of the rotation. It, it's, it's just kind of tough sledding for this defense at times, you know, they, they just, I, I feel like when guys are getting in there, and they're rotating a good bit on the edges, I feel like, Maybe it's the game speed. They're out for a few plays. They need to kind of stay in it a little bit more because they, they miss some contain opportunities. Um, and, and, you know, whether it be the jet flip or just containing the quarterback, that's been, you know, kind of an Achilles heel at times for SMU this season. We saw Max Duggan get out of the pocket in the TCU game. Uh, uh, Talia Tagovailoa did the same thing against Maryland. Contain, contain, contain. That's got to be a, a coaching point uh, for SMU, I feel like. This week, especially with Navy, you know, that's a team that you've got to be very, very disciplined. If not, they'll get to the edge on you. They'll be able to make some plays um, as well uh, if you're not in the right position. And I feel like SMU's got to hone in on that. Um, it's a good week and a half to really stress that. Um, I assume they'll get back to work kind of on a Sunday, it's, it sounds like. But they'll probably get some work in on, on Friday morning, do some meetings. Um, you know, as you're listening to this, those have already probably wrapped up, uh, and then Saturday, maybe do some work. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, that is, is something that's just got to be honed in on with these, with these players. Um, I feel like tackling wise, it, it was when they had opportunities, it was a good bit better. 
when they were in position than it has been in terms of uh, giving up minimal yardage after the first contact. So I think that's got to be something you've, you've got to look at and, and be impressed with, I think. Um, late in the game, again, it kind of it fell apart after uh, they got up really big. But um, I, I feel like that was something that was improved. Again, it just comes down to, to a lot of angles and contain for me watching that front seven especially. They were terrific in the first half at really containing uh, UCF and, and really you know, making sure that there wasn't much going, especially in that first quarter. UCF had 47 total yards, uh, three and a half yards per carry. Second quarter was even better, 2.7 yards per carry. Um, but we saw them make some plays in the pass game that really hurt um, SMU. So again, comes back to consistency on a lot of things. Offensively, um, I think the, the offensive line had its best game pass blocking once again. I think each week they've kind of improved in pass protection. They didn't have Owen Condon at right tackle. Jalen Thomas comes in uh, and, and really, I thought, played well. Uh, I think if you're asking me, that's your starting five for the rest of the season. I, I think across the board, that's got to be your best five. You know, I think the run game leaves a good bit to be desired. Right now, I saw it look like some miscommunications at times uh, in the run game, so they've got to clean those up. Uh, again, we kind of talked about some of the creativity that could help in the run game. But these offensive linemen got to find a way to get a push, too. You know, Joe Bissinger is a strong dude. Branson Hickman plays with a lot of leverage. He's got to be better. Uh, Justin Osborne's really talented. Those are some of the guys, especially along the interior, that got to make it happen. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Bryant, Jalen Thomas, a lot of these interior runs, they're just turning their guys out for the most part, which is kind of what you want. Um, so the interior guys really got to step up on the offensive line. Uh, look, that safety, I mean, if you want to judge that one, I mean, you're dropping back into the into your own end zone. It's a tough situation no matter what. There's always a chance, and they got beat on a bad pass pro, I think, by Trey Siggers, and that one really hurt, uh, obviously. Um, and, and again, that's was, that was where the wheels really started kind of to, to spiral. I thought the running backs, I think Veldon Gardner right now is your clear-cut number one. Um, I'm sure Trey Siggers is still going to be a guy that gets the starts for the most part, uh, but he's just playing at a better level. He's producing at a higher level. Uh, he's pass blocking, I think, at least watching at a higher level. He finished 12 carries for 69 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. Uh, Trey Siggers, 10 carries, 29 yards. And then Kamar Wheaton got two carries for six yards. Um, I, I think Velton is starting to emerge as, as a guy you can count on. So I think he deserves the majority of snaps. He got the majority of the carries, so it makes a lot of sense. I know if you take out his 39-yard touchdown run, him and Trey Siggers are pretty much the same, but I just think his shiftiness right now is what you want in a running back, um, and, and he's got a little bit better vision right now than Trey for whatever reason. Uh, and Trey has had a, a couple of you know really tough plays, I feel like, over the course of the season, each game, uh, he had a drop touchdown against UCF. He had a missed pass pro, at least one that I noticed. Um, so running backs have got to improve, really hitting the hole hard um, to try and pick up extra yardage. Um, I don't know if you go back to trying to get Kamar Wheaton a little bit more involved. Again, I think his speed on the edge could help uh, a little bit in terms of some creativity, but uh, the run game has just not been very good. And uh, again, a lot of it is now falling on Tanner Mordecai's shoulder. So we move on to kind of the quarterbacks. Look, I, I think Tanner played his best game of the year. 
I don't think this loss is on him at all. Um, he had numerous drops, you know, impact his bottom line. Um, he, you know, threw one interception at the end of the half, going for a Hail Mary, which again, end of the half probably could have been managed better. I get the end of the half. Like, I think it was a minute 20 or something like that, that they got the ball back, maybe a minute 10. You don't want to go three and out three and, you know, three straight pass plays. And all of a sudden UCF gets the ball back for 45 seconds. You don't want to do that. They picked up a first down. They got the ball moving. And then they ended up having probably 40-ish seconds left to really move the ball into scoring range. Again, probably could have been managed a little bit better. But you also don't want to give UCF um, an opportunity to go down the field and kick a field goal, tie it at 13, or hit a big play. And then you're really, you know, have hurt yourself with UCF getting the ball. It was a little conservative. Considering they had gone forward on fourth down a couple times by that point, you know, you probably come out maybe a, a run and then a pass and, and maybe a little bit more aggression, but um, I got it. I just thought once they picked up that first down, a little bit more pace probably would have helped get them into a better shot to kick a field goal um, at the very least. But, um, you know, I think Tanner played really well. I think one thing with Tanner that I think he's got to do especially is he's got to tuck it. You know, there's play on the goal, li goal line one of the times SMU settled for a field goal where he rolled left, and, I mean, he had green grass. I don't have the all-22, but I didn't see a defender in front of him, and I saw at least five yards. So stick your head down, pick up a couple more. And I think it was on second down. So then that puts you in a, in a position where you can either run it on third, try to get into the end zone, you can throw it, you've got some different things, but at that point they were still, I think, third and eight from the goal, you know, third and eight, um, you know, going in, that's kind of a in-between. So he's got to get more vertical and, and, and tuck it. I think that was something that stood out when Preston Stone got in. I think Preston brings that ability to scramble and get yards up the field. I think there were some good things that Preston Stone did. Nolan Matthews Harris, that completion, had a couple good passes. Um, he also overthrew one, overthrew one. He forced one in there on his first pass. Um, but it was encouraging. It was encouraging, and he adds that run, that true run threat. I think both are similar athletes in terms of their speed and, and how they can run, but it's the way Preston Stone runs that picks up extra yardage here and there um, that maybe it's worth talking about in the red zone as, as kind of a package deal. So I think Tanner, again, he was on the money uh, for much of the night. You know, he really was. Um, and I, I still think he's the guy to lead this team. Preston Stone deserves, I think, some opportunities maybe in the red zone to to kind of change things up. Uh, I, I, I just think he just has, has shown a little bit of ability to pick up yards that would help SMU being, be in better position in the red zone. Um, and maybe it's kind of a different package. You know, we saw a designed run with Preston Stone. So um, that's kind of the loss you can't really pin on a quarterback. I, I don't think so at all. Um, they were just too, too many factors in terms of drops. We saw a couple holds pop up, I think, in the second half or maybe – maybe late first, that are uncharacteristic. SMU is one of the least penalized teams in the country. Um, and then look at, looking at the receivers, this has probably been the toughest situation SMU's been in. You've got a guy who's a star in Rasheed Rice, and he gets so many targets that when he makes mistakes, they're glaring. I wish he would just get out of bounds. You know, for example, when he fumbled, 
that was a tough one. Um, you know, obviously the drop hurt. He's a star. There's just not much you can really pin on him, though, when he's getting that much volume. You've got Jake Bailey, who gets nicked up every game. Jordan Curley just couldn't go. He was close. Um, and then Bo Corrales had, had some of the drops, no doubt. And he's still working his way back. But you see kind of what SMU could have if he puts it all together. Uh, Austin Upshaw had some clutch grabs. Um, and, and um, you know, Mucci uh, had a couple grabs as well. I think the toughest part is, is those guys just aren't in sync right now because they haven't all been playing. I mean, it's really... It's not that simple, but you've got to make plays when you have opportunities when you're in there. But there, there has also got to be a, some sort of a comfort level that is affecting these guys. So I don't know what they've got to do. They've got to work the jugs machines a lot more um, and just keep trying to improve on that because those drops are just unacceptable and they're kind of a focus thing. Um, it's a focus and a fundamental um, problem that SMU is having right now in terms of catching the football um, coming off of that game. So something to address, something to focus on. Um, overall, I, the game just kind of spiraled out of control. And you can't let that happen, but it also isn't something that you can really get. You let the final score cloud your judgment of how good the last three teams they've faced are, one. And I think that's important context with the last three games is that these are good teams. But SMU hasn't taken advantage of opportunities to be in position to win games, um, turnovers, drops, things like that, uh, giving up the big play. But I, I'm not ready to write this team off yet um, by any means. It's one game in AAC play. They have a chance to write the ship against Navy. They've got 10 days to kind of gather themselves and, and find a way to make enough plays to beat Navy. Navy's Coming off a game where they're not, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not sure what Navy did this past weekend, but uh, they went to East Carolina and won. That's a tough place to win. So they can't obviously just rest on their laurels that they're more talented um, at this point because they're not a team that that should be thinking that way. SMU has to really lock in on the fundamentals, their assignments, play sound football, and come out with a win. You know, I mean, that's that's the the bottom line is SMU has to get a win against Navy. It's a must-win situation. Um, UCF is a very talented team, and it showed. Uh, and and the wheels kind of fell off for SMU, but I don't think the wheels are falling off this season just yet um, by any means. We'll kind of take a look at that by the time the Navy game's over and see how that looks. But, you know, they, they're a team that needs a boost of confidence. Um, they, they're in position to make a lot of plays. And they also have some things to clean up, and the coaches do too. Um, but I don't think, I mean, any talk of this season, you know, going down the, the toilet or, you know, the the hire was bad. I mean, you're just jumping to conclusions. Sonny Dykes was 5-7 and seven his first year at SMU. There are a lot of ugly games in that first season. It was a different team that he took over, you know, coming off of Chad Morris. There's no doubt, you know, Rhett Lashley has a has a quarterback that's much more talented than that situation. Expectations are higher, which is the problem. But at the same time, SMU's had to replace multiple wide receivers. They don't have a tight end threat right now at all. Um, their offensive line still a work in progress here and there. Run game doesn't have an explosive player. 
they're still playing with the same guys in the secondary that they really have. I think they're in better spots now. I think Brian Massey, as he gets healthier, will play better. He just hasn't looked like you know the preseason expectations. But overall, I mean, this team has a has an opportunity to make positive you know steps forward and improve in league play and pick up some wins. And then we'll kind of be able to assess once they hit that Cincinnati and Houston stretch where they're really at um, when it comes down to how this team should be judged. But this game and these past three games, you can't predict the future on what's going to happen with the team the rest of the way because of them, because they've been three quality opponents. So we'll see, obviously, how SMU circles the wagons against Navy next Friday night in Ford Stadium. But um, obviously disappointing one for, for SMU. So they've got to get back on the right track. We all you know, know that. Uh, I just am not ready to write this team off by any means. I think they played three really good teams. It showed. They didn't take advantage of opportunities, especially to win two of those three games um, in Maryland and TCU. UCF showed that they were the better team in the second half um, and capitalized that SMU left the door open for them. So we will be back with another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast next week. Uh, and we will talk a lot of recruiting as uh, I know we didn't get to do that on this one, but we've, we've run long and I feel like a lot of people needed to kind of listen to a lot of these thoughts. I, I just think this is a coaching staff that is still chipping away at a lot of things on their front to get the players to completely focus in on what they need to do. It's a work in progress. I think it'll start to turn the corner against Navy with a win. We'll find out next Friday night. Appreciate you guys listening to this edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. We will catch you guys next week. Hope everybody has a great weekend and uh, appreciate all you guys listening out there. Have a good one. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.